try and keep it under that. Well, you know, I'm I'm thinking I may be less than that, Brad. So. Let them handle it, Joni. Let them handle Joni, 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 Joni. And we're rolling on everything. I guess let's go then. Three, two, one, and then I'll pause, I'll clap. Three, two, one. Well, good morning. And thank you again for joining us uh, in this first time format, this first time venue that we've done this. We've actually been talking about doing this for some months, but these recent events accelerated that process. And uh, I'll express my gratitude to a few others in just a few moments. But before we do that, we want to give you the opportunity to give in tithes and in offerings. We do that every time that we gather because we want you to be a part of what God is doing both here in this community and around the world. We want to give you also the opportunity to give because if anything, some people may think, well, the, the needs aren't as great now. Actually, the needs are greater there are many people in our congregation and there are some needs in our community that are actually greater now than they were just a few weeks ago. We want to be a part of that. So if you'd like to, uh, please feel free to give. There are four ways in which you can do that. You can, you can text your offering and the information is there for you, giving you directions on how to do that. You can also go to our website and give online. I actually, uh, I always bring an offering whenever we gather, and I actually did that this, this last week for the first time, took about a minute to set up, and so we want to encourage you, if you want to give that way, it's secure, um, uh, there'll be a record of it, and so again, we, we, you can give that way. You can also bring the offering by, if you want to write out a check or put it in an offering envelope and bring, bring it by the church. You can do that anytime this week. The office is open every weekday this week. Just come by. Or you can mail it. You can literally mail it in. And uh, again, the information is on our website. Or uh, just PO, uh, First Assembly of God P.O. Box 1, Aberdeen, South Dakota. And the zip is 57402 on that. So thank you again for giving. Thank you for taking part in what God, again, is doing here and around this community. We want to encourage you to do so. Also, I mentioned a few moments ago, this is the first time we've done this. I want to just uh, take the opportunity to thank some of the people who've really made this happen. Uh, a, a lot of people, several teams. We have the creative arts team that have really made this possible, the sound team. These guys are heroes to me. The pastoral staff, 
other leaders in, and teams in our church who helped to make this happen. And so, uh, again, this is new for us. We're very grateful that you're able to uh, take part in this. Um, some people have said that uh, I have a face that's more suited to audio than video. We've had audio for a long time, but this is, this is it right here. So thank you again for all those who made it happen. One more thing before the message, and that is there's information also there where you can hit the like button or you can share it with others. And uh, there may be others that you know that would be encouraged by this or or uh, instructed by this from God's Word. And so go ahead and like it, share it. Others will see it, and they can take part as well. So this morning, if you have a Bible with you wherever you are, would you go ahead and take that Bible and turn to the book of Exodus chapter 14? Exodus chapter 14. I want you to see these verses and uh, not just hear them. So uh, Exodus chapter 14. While you're turning there, the book of Exodus is the record of God's people delivered from a place of slavery and to a place of promise. That's, that's the whole message behind the book of Exodus. It's people delivered from slavery and to a place of promise. The people of Israel had been in Egypt for uh, almost four centuries, a very long time, much of that time in slavery. And and, and yet God, through his ongoing promise, delivered them from this place of slavery through a number of different miracles. And these people now set free are making their way to the promised land, the ancestral homeland of the Jewish people given first to Abraham and also to these people. And so they're excited. They're going back to the promised land after all of these years, many, many years in slavery. So after their miraculous deliverance from Egypt, God directed them to, this, uh, to a particular place. Exodus chapter 14, verse 9, says that their encampment was by a community, and the words that are used there in verse 9 are, by the sea. We don't know exactly where this was. It was some body of water between the Egyptian mainland or the, the, the nation of, uh, of Egypt there uh, along, the, uh, uh, along the Nile River and the Sinai Peninsula. So it could have been a number of places, but we do know that they're next to a body of water, or as it says here, by the sea. Now what they didn't know, what the people didn't know, at least initially when they set up camp there, they didn't know that the king of Egypt, he's referred to as the Pharaoh, was with his army rapidly approaching. See, the Bible says here in this chapter that Pharaoh and his army were intent on taking the Jewish people back into slavery. That was their plan. That was, that was what they were all about. So in this place, in this place where God had brought them, to this place where God had clearly directed them, they found themselves literally between an enemy army behind them and deep water in front of them. They had the enemy behind them and they had deep water by the sea in front of them. Deep water. We don't know exactly how deep it was, but you know, if it's over your head, it's, it's pretty deep. And I'm sure that it was. They have deep water in front of them. Now, maybe you never thought of this before. Maybe you really never looked at it in the big picture. But there are a number of places in the Bible 
where it talks about deep water. Before this, in the book before this, the first book of the Bible, the, the book of Genesis, God ordered, and you perhaps know the story, God ordered an ark to be built that would keep Noah and his family and a large part of his creation from being covered by deep water. That's, that's a great true story. It actually happened, but it involved deep water. Later on in the Old Testament, in the book of Jonah, the Bible tells us that God directed a big fish to swallow a, a wayward prophet to keep him from drowning in deep water. But I think the best example of deep water is in Matthew chapter 14, where Jesus, it says, walked above deep water, and he rescued the disciple named Peter, who was overwhelmed by deep water. I love that, again, true story. I actually have a picture of it in my study, where Jesus is reaching down. He's, he's walking above the deep water, and he's reaching down into the water, and he's pulling Peter out. This same Lord, this same Lord who throughout Scripture uh, protects his people and leads them when they're facing or experiencing or under deep water, that same God is the one who directs us and rescues us and sustains us now. So if you're in deep water or if you're facing some deep water, I want you to trust in the one who is above the water and he'll bring you through. You know, it's not just because of present circumstances, but we find ourselves in these places throughout life. But if we're in Christ, if we're trusting in Him, if we're following Him, He will bring us through the deepest of waters. So, back in Exodus chapter 14, God's people were in this very, very difficult place. Uh, the enemy, again, behind them and deep water in front of them. And in Exodus 14, verse 13, Moses, who was directed by God, said this to the people of Israel. Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. I want you to notice the first four verses of verse thirteen. Excuse me, first four words of verse thirteen. The four words are "Do not be afraid." I don't know if you underline in your Bibles, but that would be a good thing to to underline. Underline: Do not be afraid. Now, just just that word or that phrase or a variation of that phrase. Do you know that that command to "Do not be afraid." is one of the most frequently used phrases in the entire Bible. It's a statement that, again, in one way or another, fear not, be not afraid, do not fear, do not be afraid. It, 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 some, some people have said it actually occurs 365 times in Scripture, enough for one of every day of the year. I don't know if that's true or not. I haven't gone through and counted them all, but I do know this. You will find it a lot throughout the Bible. And it's very true. I'm very thankful that, that it's there so many times because we, we frequently need a reminder to not live in fear as we follow Jesus Christ in our own journey. 
Thank God that we do not need to fear, but he's the one who brings us through. And then, again, still back in in verse 13, Moses said this. He said, stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. I want you to see those words as well. The words, stand firm. Now, standing firm, you understand the context here. Again, the enemy behind them, deep water in front of them. I pointed out in last week's message that in a number of these different places where this could have happened, or uh, uh, it did happen, but in a number of places that it, it may have been, there are mountains on either side, so there's really no place to go. You can't go back to the enemy. You can't go forward because there's water, and you can't go to either side. So they're in this very, very difficult place. And standing firm, as these words say, standing firm is extremely hard when everything in you wants to run or when others around us are running. (laughs) There's a a story I heard long ago. Maybe you heard this as well. There's a a gentleman taking a... uh, an exam uh, as a new police recruit. He's, he's gone through the academy. This is the final exam, and he's, he's going through this entire scenario on paper, and, and it says something like this. You're standing at a major intersection in the busiest part of town. Suddenly, across from you, two cars collide, and uh, one person in the car begins to scream. You look to the right, and there, in a whole different situation, you see somebody being forcibly pushed into a van with blacked-out windows. You look up, and you see from the fourth story, someone is standing there ready to jump to their demise. And at that very same moment on the radio that's attached to you, you hear them calling for you and saying that you're urgently needed down at the police station. At the bottom of the exam, it had these words, what do you do? The man thought for a moment, and and he he wrote these words at the bottom. He said, uh, change uniforms and merge with the crowd. You know, sometimes we feel that way, don't we? Like, you know, all these different things are happening, one thing after another, any one of which is, is borderline catastrophic. But sometimes they come in groups and, 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 and you see all these things and there's something in you that wants to just change uniforms and merge with the crowd or run, to just turn around and walk away. Maybe you've been there. Or you see the people around you and they're terrified and, and it almost becomes contagious. You see their fear and maybe you start thinking, well, maybe I should be afraid as well. Wouldn't you like to see these people as suddenly when they realize the enemy is approaching, there's deep water in front of them, they can't go to either side. I wonder what these people thought. What did they say? What did they do? What was, what was the thought that was registered on their faces? And God, in his great plan through Moses, says, do not be afraid and stand firm. Last week, in last week's message, and again, this is just part two, but last week I shared how in this first test of what, and they didn't know it yet, but what would be a 40-year journey, God's people were learning to trust God like never before. They didn't know that this was just the first test on the Exodus journey that would establish things for every subsequent test. They're learning to trust God. 
And the first instructions, you see it right here. The first instructions in the first test of their new journey was to not be afraid and to stand firm. Now, that, that command to stand firm. I mentioned earlier how the, the, the phrase, do not be afraid, is, or some variation is frequently found throughout Scripture. This term also, stand firm, is also found throughout the Bible. It too is one of the most frequently used commands in the Bible. No less than 34 times do we find the phrase, stand firm. Like Psalm chapter 20, verses 7 and 8 that says this, Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and they fall, but we rise up and stand firm. What does that mean? That, that the people around us look to the natural things in the world and they place their trust in that, in those things, in, in those, those false props. But then goes on to say, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. We rise up and we stand firm. Psalm 33 verse 11 says, the plans of the Lord stand forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations. That, that has an eternal aspect to it. That God's plans, they stand forever. They stand firm forever. They're not going to change. Regardless of what comes, God still has a plan. Listen, regardless of what is happening in your home right now, regardless of what is happening in our in our nation or around the world, God still has a plan. That's not going to change. Again, the, the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. His purposes, the purposes of His heart through all generations. Matthew chapter 10, verse 22, speaking to His followers, Jesus said, You will be hated by everyone because of Me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And I think one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, that reads this way. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It says, let nothing move you. Stand firm, always giving yourself to the work of the Lord. It, it, it's, it's, it's not conditional upon how good things are or bad things are. We, we stand firm regardless of what comes because we stand on the Lord Jesus Christ. We as followers of Jesus Christ, this same command that was given to a whole bunch of people thousands of years ago, standing in front of deep water and before deep water and an enemy behind them, God said to them and he says to us, regardless of the circumstances around us, stand firm and see the salvation of God. God said it. We can hold on to it and we need to at all times and at this time. I'll tell you, there have, there have been times, I won't, I won't give all the details, and it's not necessary, but there have been times in my life when I just wanted to run out of fear. I wanted to be like that police recruit who just changes uniforms and, and, and merge with the crowd. There have been times when 
maybe you, from your own experience, your own story, when you've just wanted to run, you saw how difficult it was. You wanted to run or you wanted to hide. You wanted to just close yourself off. There have also been times in my life, maybe in yours, when there was something in me that when I saw an enemy approaching, that I wanted to turn and fight. In some cases, it was a real enemy, and sometimes it was a perceived enemy. And I wanted to turn and fight. But you know what would have happened to these people if they would have turned and fought? These, these were not soldiers. These were, these, were, uh, these were guys who made bricks. These were former slaves. They would have died if they would have turned and fought. But God said, don't run, don't turn and fight, stand firm and see God's salvation. On those occasions that I experienced, maybe what you experienced, God clearly told me, stand firm and see the deliverance of the Lord. There's a quote that I heard years ago, Um, I actually read it first. And uh, it's a quote from a man named Oswald Chambers. Uh, Oswald Chambers, some of you, that's a bit familiar. He, uh, a collection of his writings and messages were compiled into a devotional called My Utmost for His Highest. I, I recommend it. Oswald Chambers, who lived and died over 100 years ago, wrote this. Listen to this. He said, the remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you will fear everything else. Let me say it again, and and then just let this roll into your spirit. The remarkable thing about fearing God, and by fearing God, he means here, and we mean not a terror of God, but a reverence and a respect for God. The remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you will fear everything else. What does this mean in in real time, in our time? And that is if you have a, a love and a respect and a reverence for God, if you know that you are in Him, if you know that you are in Jesus Christ, then with that comes an amazing confidence, uh, the awareness that that you are in Christ, that that He is within you. And and because of that, you have the assurance that come what may, it's going to be okay. And I don't need to be afraid of anyone or anything. However, if we do not have him dwelling within us, if we, if, if we do not know or if we question whether we're in him or not, then we should be afraid. And we will be afraid of almost everything else. The remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else, whereas if you do not fear God, you will fear everything else. Powerful words. For times such as these. So there, there's so much to this Red Sea experience. There, there's so much happening here. And, and I want to finish this message this morning with a verse that, Lord willing, I will begin with next week. And, and it's the very next verse that, or the very next statement that was made that day. Verse 15 says, the Lord said to Moses, 
Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Go forward. I want you to see those words. Maybe underline them. God's command to do not fear and stand firm was followed by his command to go forward. You see, this day that, by the way, and I'll share more of this next week, but this day which became one of the most important touchstones in the history of the Jewish people, one that they would remember and hearken back to and refer to perhaps more than almost any other event, this day that was filled with a certain degree of terror at times, became one of the most important turning points of, their, of their, the history of those people. God's command to do not fear and then stand firm was followed by his command to go forward. See, this was not the end of their story. This was just the beginning of their remarkable story. This was not the end of the exodus. This is just the beginning of the exodus. God had a great plan for them going forward. And God has a great plan for you going forward. God has a great plan for your family going forward. I was talking to someone just a few days ago and they were sharing some of their concerns some of their fears, actually, about the future. And I told them, and I tell you, we're living in an, in an amazing time. We're living in a time in which we can see the hand of God move in our lives, perhaps like never before. A lot of people are scared. A lot of people want to turn and run or hide. And I'm saying that God has a plan going forward. I want you to be a part of that plan if you're not already. This morning, perhaps the most important thing that I can do, other than bring this message, is to give you the opportunity to respond to this message. You see, the, the whole Exodus story, the whole Exodus event, it, 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 parale it parallels in, in many ways our lives and how we come out of the slavery of sin into life in Christ, and then we begin this amazing journey of becoming more like Christ, one that lasts the rest of our lives and then throughout eternity. But it has a definite beginning. God set these people free, and He still sets people free today. Perhaps this morning, as I've talked about the journey and I've talked about deliverance and I've talked about people being set free from slavery, Maybe something in that resonates in your heart and you're wondering, you know, can I be set free from the things that are enslaving me or can, can, I, can I be a part of the journey of following God? Can I have that assurance that you're talking about that regardless of what happens around me, I'm going to be all right? Well, you can. And it begins by simply saying, Lord Jesus, I have a tremendous need that I can't fix and no one else can fix but you can because you died on the cross and you rose from the dead to give me eternal life to forgive my sins 
This morning, if you simply make that very simple prayer, Jesus, come into my heart and forgive me. I believe what you've done on that cross and through that empty tomb that we're going to be celebrating here in just a few weeks with the whole Easter celebration, the resurrection celebration, that what happened then is for you. And you say, Lord, I receive you. Come into my heart. I want you to be the Lord of my life, the Savior of my life. I want to follow you the rest of my life. If you make that very simple prayer, I want you to know that you're going to begin that journey. I have one more request for you before we close, and that is that if you did make that decision this morning, you've heard this message either audibly or you've seen the video, we want you to respond. And there's a place there for you to respond. And, and, and if, you, if you contact us and you give us your name and some contact information, we won't give it to anyone else, but we do want to speak with you and pray with you and help you as you begin this journey of following Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you what, the story that we read about here in the second book of the Bible is going to become your story. And every other promise that God has for you in the Word of God is, is, is for you as you begin to follow Him. Before we close in prayer, I want to say this as well. In these, in these fascinating, yet in many ways challenging times, I in no way want to diminish what many people are going through, some more than others. I want to encourage you to spend more time in God's Word. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then I want you to spend time in the, in the Word of God. I want you to spend time in, in prayer. I, w- I want you to spend more time in the study of God's Word and in prayer than you spend watching the news or even in social media. These are challenging times, and we need to immerse ourselves in the good news, not just all of the other news around us. My, my friends, God has a great plan. He has a great purpose. Stand firm. Do not be afraid. And by God's grace, we're going to move forward. Wherever you are, would you bow your heads with me? Let's close this time in prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you how you speak to people's lives in some of the most out-of-the-way places your word goes and penetrates hearts. And you do, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, what I could never do. And I thank you. I thank you that lives are being changed in these challenging times. We look to you. You're the one who sustains us. You're the one who gives us hope. It's in your name that we have salvation and we have deliverance. We thank you. I ask your favor and your blessing upon every person watching or listening to this message. I give them to you and their families and their homes and their businesses and their jobs. God, protect them and sustain them and bring us through deep water times. There are great promises ahead of of us, Lord, promises that you've given. You're the promise maker and you're the promise keeper. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
How long was that? I don't even know. 